Welcome back to Anxiety Slayer. I'm Shan Vanderleek, and today I'm speaking with trauma recovery specialist Michelle Rosenthal. Michelle is an award-winning PTSD blogger, an award-nominated author of three books about healing trauma and PTSD. I wanted to give you just a little bit of information about Michelle before we jump into the interview. I, I realized after listening in that I didn't quite give you the backstory. So if you hadn't listened to our prior interview, you might not know where we were coming from. At 13 years old, Michelle got a bladder infection and was prescribed an antibiotic by a doctor who didn't read her chart to see that she was allergic to antibiotics. Shortly after taking the medication, Michelle started to get a rash on her body that turned into full body blisters because her body couldn't metabolize the medicine. She became a burn victim without ever having been burned. After her body healed, she didn't have the skills and wisdom to separate herself from the trauma. She was just 13. It took 24 years for her to get diagnosed with PTSD. And this is when her healing began. Since then, Michelle has devoted her life to supporting people as a trauma recovery specialist, author, and incredible human being. I first spoke with Michelle back in 2013. So here we are again, almost a decade later. And it's so good to connect with you again, Michelle. Likewise, Shan, and I just I can't believe it's been almost a decade. <laughs> Seriously, that that you and I have both stayed in this space wanting to make a difference. And it's so nice to come back together. Yeah, and I remember our conversation fondly and the courage and the vulnerability and transparency that you show up with is so cool and so refreshing. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> I remember part of our conversation talking about the first time that you felt like you could sleep on your bed without having weighted blankets, without having a lot mm -hmm. of blankets to help you feel more grounded and safe in your own space. Like that stuck with me. That was right after we spoke right after in, in 2013, I was in the ICU with sepsis. And since my trauma had been a medical trauma, it was, it was very, there were, there, there were all kinds of triggers and everything. And I remember in our conversation thinking that, wow, it's so cool. It's like, I just had this new trauma and it sort of resolved things from the old trauma. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? Yeah, right. Yeah, um, because I remember that was one of the after effects of, of, of that, that 2013 hospitalization, which was very bizarre to me, but made sense in the context of how you and I were exploring it. Mm -hmm. Let's begin with the first step in trauma recovery. And what kind of trauma and PTSD do you help people recover from these days? Well, I mean, to be honest with you, Shan, all trauma is trauma, right? It's all, you know, one of the most interesting things that I ever discovered in my journey in helping people or even just being in the trauma and PTSD world was that I thought we were all so individual and we're, we're not really. We're individual in our trauma. We're individual in our healing process. 
but we are actually so similar in our experience of the post-trauma world and symptoms in that space. Instead of coming into this work saying, I want to help this specific kind of person in terms of their type of trauma, Mm -hmm. I really just show up every day saying, I want to help the person who most wants to be helped today. I want to help the person who most wants to battle their way through this and come out the other side. So that's the way I show up to really answer your question. Interestingly, the people that most find me, if we were going to look at my clients, the the majority of my practice is childhood abuse, some kind of childhood abuse. Yeah. It's, you know, either it's narcissistic parents or verbal abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse. So I tend to um, really focus there because for some reason, that's the way my practice has defined itself. Mm -hmm. Isn't that interesting? It is. And yet it doesn't surprise me in my own work, personally and professionally. There are so many adults who are coming forward to heal their inner child or to heal that one in them that wound the, the trauma, mm-hmm. however that looks. And sometimes it doesn't show up for us until later on. We don't even know that we experienced it. And then it, a light bulb comes on and you're like, oh, well, no, that's what that like, is. That wasn't cool. <laughs> you know, where, where, yeah. did I, where did I put that? I mean, I've had several of those come up over my lifetime. Like, well, isn't that interesting that I yeah. stuffed that down so far mm. in order to to get on with my life, and and here it is to be reckoned with. And yeah, and so thank you. A, you know, yeah, thank you. It takes such a such courage, right? I, I'm. I was just reflecting this morning. I have a friend who is carrying a dark secret and just refuses to do the work to free himself from that, the effects of it, Mm -hmm. you know? And what you just said is, I think, so beautiful because it is that awareness of being an adult and saying, "Mm, if I don't do it now, when am I going to do it? If I'm not free now, when am I going to be free? And having the courage to get in that space. And this friend of mine just, he doesn't want to. He just doesn't want to. He's like, I've been like this since I was four. I don't want to go back and figure out how to get out of it. Well, okay, but his life's going by so constricted by the effects of the trauma. And I keep saying to him, but you could be free. And, and, and his answer is, I don't want to feel the pain. And you know what, once somebody says that I back off because I respect that healing, I think is more painful and harder than dealing with the symptoms of trauma. Would you agree with that? Boy, I sure think it can be. I know it was for me. It's not that PTSD didn't take me to that brink itself, but there was something harder about healing because I, you're sort of on both sides of the fence. Sure, sure. So it's like that. It becomes a battle inside. And I think maybe maybe that was the difference. Healing was a real battle inside myself with like the part of myself that really wanted to be free and the part of myself that was my survival self that was, I'm not letting, I'm not giving up at all. <laughs> like, yeah, right. Just, hang, <laughs> just, just hanging on, like just, you know, for dear life to, yeah. to, to not let go. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. And then you have to get to that day where you have a reckoning. You know, I remember very clearly, I, I was so aware there was, there were three of us <laughs> involved in this. It was my, my warrior self, the self that wanted to be free, my survivor self that was going to hang on. And then me, and I just didn't feel equipped to deal with either one of them. Yeah, <laughs> I just, yeah. I remember just sort of in my head saying to them, you figure it out. I'm just going to like fade into the back here and I'm going to throw down with my warrior self, but I've, I can't do this. So I get it when people don't want to go there. And as an adult, you have to really figure out, am I ready? Because healing, healing changes your life. The process of healing and then being healed changes your life. So you have to be prepared to really have your world turned upside down in a good way. That's the, the piece that is missing so often is that, yes, there is work involved. Yes, some of it is going to be excruciating, but the payoff is huge. And yeah. burying ourselves or sticking our heads in the sand or distracting ourselves or whatever it is we do, whether it be food or substance or sex or Mm. or the list goes on, right? Mm -hmm. how, do, how do we come back to it? And I love that you come right out and say, you can end this chaos. You can end this emotional chaos and you can begin reclaiming control. And you have a process to help people do that. That's huge. Yeah, you know, Shen, because one of my biggest <laughs> pet peeves, because my entire practice is built on my pet peeves from my recovery. <laughs> so yeah. um, all the things that I didn't like about my PTSD recovery, I decided if I'm going to help people, I'm going to do it in a way that resolves all of those things that I felt were harmful to me in my process of healing. And one of them was that there was no clear process. There was nothing that I could say, oh, there's a framework. Okay. There was nothing that made sense. There was no organization. There was no, okay, let's do this. And then let's do this and let's do this. Now, the caveat here is healing is different for everybody. I'm not in our conversation. And I know this, you know, this, we're not talking about, oh, everybody has to do cognitive behavior therapy. And then everyone has to do radical acceptance. I'm not talking about prescribing modalities. I'm talking about a replicable process within the self that I find works. And then you support it and facilitate it with whatever kind of modality you like. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've ever done transformational breath. Have you ever done that? Yes, I have. Oh my God, Shan, I wish I had found that during my recovery. That blew my head off the first time that I did it. And I was shocked at how much stuff I could access. I didn't even know this is like years and years and years after my, my recovery was complete. Nobody in my recovery had ever talked to me about grief. So imagine my shock when I just trotted myself into a transformational breath class, thinking <laughs> I was going to have some cool, you know, holistic experience. And the next thing I knew, my body was racked with grief. Yeah. And I brought up all this grief that had never been attended to because it was not something that somebody said to me, hey, all trauma recovery needs to focus at some point on relieving grief mm -hmm. because that's universal. 
after my recovery was done, I bumped into that and I cleared it with transformational breath, but somebody could just as easily clear it on a yoga mat, but you have to know where to focus. Yeah. yeah. And, and, so and clear it on a massage table, on a yoga mat yes. through, through breath work. Yes. There's so much. And I'd like to kind of steer our conversation to how we get more of our brain engaged with our healing. Mm. Well, that's a meaty topic. <laughs> I'll let you open the door and then I will waltz right through. When I think about how many of, of our listeners, you know, they just mm. want the anxiety to go away, the stress and the, and the post-traumatic stress. And, 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 I, and I get it. I mean, who, who, wants, who wants to carry this around? And so often Ananga and I are talking about the different modalities to, to get engaged and to take action and move forward with, to see what might work, to experiment, to practice, to play. But please engage, because if you don't, you're going to be in the same loop of this doesn't work or that doesn't work or I'm suffering. And you kind of get, stu you kind of get stuck in that broken record, in that loop of thought. Where do we go from there? So here's my theory. This is how I approach it. And I love this question because I feel like we're all so conditioned culturally, societally to place our quote unquote healing in the psychological realm and psychotherapeutic realm. And, and I think that's a great place to begin. First, I want to say how much I respect that process because I believe being able to find language, attach it to what your experience is, and then share it with somebody else, there's power in that. And I, I believe that is the first step that any of us really take in being able to master the healing process. And my problem with that is this, it only utilizes such a tiny part of the brain. Yeah. Because your conscious mind, as you know, Shan, is just about 12 to 15% of your brain. And that's what you, you know, that's what you're using in therapy. That's what we're doing. You're activating, you know, your frontal lobe and the part of your brain that does speech and your Broca's area and all these other things. But they're, that's just your conscious mind. And another one of my pet peeves is how often we're told that if you just go to therapy, you can fix it. And that's not true. And now I'm so grateful that even people like Dr. Bessel van der Kolk, even he would tell you now, talk therapy doesn't heal PTSD. It just flat out doesn't. My takeaway from all of the different ideas about therapy versus the neuroscience of the brain is that it's a great component, but because it only utilizes such a small portion of the brain, it is limited in the benefits that it can bring. Like if right. you have massive trauma that is, it's in your body, it's in your central nervous system, it's in your neural networks, it's in the neurological structure deep within your reptilian brain, you're never going to talk that out of you. Uh, I feel that engaging the brain, we have to engage the whole brain. What do we do with the other 85% that's not conscious? Yeah. And yeah, the other um, yeah. Uh, the other 85% that holds all those core pro all the core programming. Exactly. 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 And this is where I mean there are a slew of different ways to do it, but this is where the body becomes so important in the process. 
This is where movement can become so important in the process. This is where language can become so important in the process. You know, as a board certified hypnotist, as a master neurolinguistic programmer, like the reason I got trained in those modalities is not they saved my life, but outside of that, it's because I believe so deeply in the importance of activating that other 85% and getting to it. Yes. Not yes. with logic and not with reason. Because if logic and reason worked, you would have healed like, like me two decades ago, right? Anybody. But those other deeper structures, they don't respond to logic or reason. They're not housed in areas of the brain that are run by logic and reason. They're run by symbolism, meaning, and story. How do we get there? Well, we can dance that, we can sing that, we can, you know, we can massage that, we can pose that, and we can use language to guide and access that. And so to me, and this is, you know, the foundation of the whole program that I use with, with my clients is let's access 100% of your brain. As a certified professional coach, I use coaching because it's so action oriented to engage that 15%. Most of the people, if not all of the people that I work with, they've already done talk therapy and they've come to me because it didn't work. I leave talk therapy to those who really, who love it. And I, I love the coaching aspect because you know, we're all about, okay, what's the problem? What's the solution? What's the difference between you and that solution? And how do we bridge that gap? Right. That's what we do with the 15%. And then the other 85%, I always encourage my clients to find those things that resonate with them. For me, dance was a huge part of my recovery process. And so we all have our individual quote unquote, hobbies or experiences that really can help facilitate healing. Because mm. really, what is that? It's connect to something that makes you feel good. And it's so beautiful. And it's so personal. I did some equine therapy mm. many, many years ago that a good friend of mine just basically offered me a session to just come and be Gorgeous. with the horses. And yeah. um, I formed a relationship with this horse named Noodle. Oh. And I had some work I wanted to do. And I thought, well, you know, I'm open to anything, always have been. I'm like, let's, let's do it. And it was the most beautiful, deeply moving, uncanny experience. Mm. And I grew up riding horses and, and being around horses and have always loved them anyway. But these horses were in the main horse noodle that I was working with. And then there was another handful of horses that were actually participating in this session. And at one point while, while I was doing my work with this horse, they were, they lined up and started walking in a circle around us, just like supporting the work that we were doing. It was just oh, incredibly wow. cool. Now a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. Have you ever been in a place where you feel stuck and seem to focus on only the problems in your life instead of looking for solutions? What if you learned how to change your mindset? Partnering with a therapist can help you become a better problem solver, which makes it a lot easier to accomplish your goals. And therapy offers an avenue to help with anxiety, depression, 
and emotional healing. BetterHelp is an excellent offering if you're thinking of giving therapy a try. The experience is convenient, accessible, affordable, and entirely online. And you can be matched with a therapist quite quickly after filling out a short online form. When you want to be a better problem solver, therapy can help you get there. Visit BetterHelp.com Slayer today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com slash Slayer. So many of the Anxiety Slayer listeners may or may not know about this, which is one of the reasons why I wanted to, to bring you on is to give them more avenues, more understanding of the different ways to engage more of your brain and to not say that you're doing anything wrong right now, but to give you more options to help you understand mm. that you can have a full system reboot. Uh, that is very true. And I'm, I am gonna, I'm going to do something that might be out of line here. I'm going to do it anyway. And I am going to say there's no quote unquote wrong way to heal. But <laughs> if you're sitting in talk therapy and you are getting worse, you are on the wrong path. And so I do think it's important to be able to assess what we're doing, each of us inside. It's not to tell somebody else that what they're doing is wrong. It's to sit within yourself and say, is what I'm doing right for me? Because there are wrong ways to go about healing. If you are getting worse and worse and worse, you are on the wrong path for you. Now, that doesn't mean that healing feels good all the time because it, we all know it doesn't. But I'll just use myself as an example. I sat in talk therapy for five and a half years. I was worse and worse and worse and worse. And I don't just mean emotionally. I mean physically debilitated to the point where finally the toll, the stress of retelling my story and desensitization, all that stuff, which just strengthens the neural pathways of your trauma. Hello. Yeah. The exact thing you don't want to be doing. Um, and it never occurred to me to say, oh my God, I think this is the wrong thing for me. I think I've outgrown right. the usefulness here. Right. So I do think it's okay to say to yourself, you know what, this is making me worse. And it, it's, it's subtle, right? There are nuances to healing. So it's like, of course, healing's going to make everything worse <laughs> at first. <laughs> so let's, <laughs> let's just like, be honest about that. But if you go past a certain point of everything's worse and you start becoming completely debilitated, there's so many ways to heal. There's no reason to keep holding yourself in that space where I got out of talk therapy and I hit the dance floor. Yeah. Whoa, what a difference that made. My, my, my recovery took off when I did that. I, so I do think it's fair to apply the word wrong in recovery, just make sure you're the only one applying it to you and you're applying it in a sense where it's benefiting you and supporting you and finding the right way so that you can get where you want to go. We know ourselves better than anybody else. If, if you get still and check in, and like you said, if something isn't working, no matter what it is, it's time to shift gears. It's time to look at the other options that you have and to know that, I mean, just in talking to you and the, the number of modalities that you're trained in and the, 
your own experience, healing, and everything over the last 20, 30 years. Mm. Nobody else has your experience, but they can come to you from your place of knowing, from your place of empathy, from your place of healing, growing, being, doing all of the things that you are, and, and get some support that will engage them in a completely different way. That's such a good point. And I think the word support is really important because so often we're so demoralized by the trauma and post-trauma and PTSD experience. And we end up in someone's office and we just sort of turn ourselves over and say, fix it. As you were saying earlier, right? Just fix it. Just fix it. I'm too tired. I'm too broken. I don't have what it takes. And I think that's a dangerous way to show up. And that is how I showed up in the beginning. I mean, I literally, I thought like I should get a gold star just for getting to the office of my therapist. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I I mean, we didn't, we didn't get into your story today because we'd already talked about it and I'll make sure that, that I put a, a link to our first conversation, but if you'd like, go ahead and if you can encapsulate your recovery. Oh, you all sure. So for 17 years after my trauma, I wouldn't talk about it. And then I went another, what, six or seven years before I was actually diagnosed with PTSD um, because I just went full on crazy. And just from the stress of carrying it and not being able to deal with it. And, and, you know, for all of us who have PTSD symptoms, they're just, they're hard to live with. And, um, and, and so I, when I got into therapy, it was because the physical debilitation of myself from the stress that I was carrying and the PTSD symptoms and the lifestyle, let's be serious, that was not healthy <laughs> that I had created yeah. just to try to run faster than my feelings. And when I got into therapy, I, I had chronic fatigue syndrome. I had um, fibromyalgia. Like I wasn't working. I, I just couldn't function at all. And I'm not kidding. His office was 10 blocks from my apartment. And I really thought I deserved great kudos for just getting the 10 blocks. Yeah, Yeah, I made it. Like that was my job was to get here. Now you do the rest of the work. And I really, I just depended on him to do the rest of the work. And that was partly why five and a half years elapsed and I was getting worse and worse because I went where he led me instead of engaging in the process and saying, whoa, (laughs) wait a minute this isn't, this just doesn't seem to be serving me. My healing process though, as, as we've already discussed, but in the, the, in the nutshell version, it took me almost a decade and 11 different modalities Yeah, because I started to realize talking about it isn't helping. Now, what am I going to do? And I, I always affectionately say I did the alphabet. Because of your experience and because of doing the alphabet, yeah, you, you now show up as a trauma recovery specialist with one hell of a pedigree in order to help the people that you help to support the the folks who find you. And, and so it was exactly the right way to get there. I totally agree. And thank you for that, Sam. You're welcome. Thank you. And I do, I really do. I want to get back to a point that we sort of glossed over, but I, I do feel that in, in engaging the brain, one thing that I just mentioned briefly that I think is huge and the science supports this, is engaging in doing things that feel good. Mm. 
like you were talking about equine therapy just feels good. I mean, I love horses too. And I started to dance every day because I knew when I danced somehow I could get out of that like darkness and into the light for an hour, but it was better than the other 23 hours that day. I, I challenge every single one of my clients. What are you going to do every day? that activates joy pathways Yes, in your, yeah, in your brain. You can roll your eyes all you want because that was my first uh, impression when it occurred to me. I think I need to feel better, feel joy that I didn't think I could feel joy. I didn't go into dance being like, oh, this is going to be amazing. I went into it just needing to not feel as bad as I did. And then discovering, holy cow, this feels amazing. So every one of my clients starts and we just agree every day for 30 seconds. It takes 17 seconds to create a new neural pathway. So I'm an overachiever. Let's go for 30 seconds. You can just do 30 seconds of something that feels a little bit better than you were feeling. You are starting to build neural pathways that ascend rather than descend in your energy level. I love that. That's so cool. So So I think that's, that's really important to think about how do you engage your brain in doing something that's pleasurable, even something like I have a client, she just likes to color, you know, so she's got all these adult coloring books. She colors. That's great. Okay, great. I have another client, you know, I I live in Florida. So I have another client who loves his wave runner. He just gets out on the ocean for an hour every day. Yeah. Awesome. You know, anything that you can do, it's such an investment. I walk, I walk the shores of Lake Michigan and connect with that space, it's always taken care of me. It's always been the, the place that I go. So you find these power places. Yes. You, you do this joy spotting. You, you allow yourself to remember what that feels like. And even if you can't remember it, you allow yourself to discover what yeah, it feels redi- like Yeah, now. discover. Love that. Yeah, I love yeah. that. Yeah. You, you have a, a free brain training audio available. Uh, Can you tell our listeners a little bit about that before we close today? Yeah, absolutely. So it just, it involves three little segments. It's just about, it's not even 20 minutes. It just involves three little segments to regulate your breath and to engage your brain in being present and connecting to yourself and your process in a way that allows you to train your brain for peace and calm. And I just designed it around breath, a little bit of breath work to start because it can be so grounding and it brings you really present and you can mm-hmm. do the breath work however you like. And even if you don't like the breath work, just listen, you yeah, don't have to listen. do the breath work, just sure. listen. And then it walks you through a little bit of a language process and a little bit of a guided visualization. And I have clients that because all my clients use it and they say, I fall asleep before it ends. Is that okay? Yes. It <laughs> and is. I said, yes, it is <laughs> awesome. Because when you get, when you started, you weren't sleeping. So if this is taking you, I mean, I have a talking about anxiety. I have a client just so, so on the edge and, and then she's been prescribed all these different things. So she's always got this cocktail of pills at her disposal that we're weaning her off of. And that's sort of the purpose. And so I gave her this audio and I said, okay, before you take a pill, I just want you to listen to this. Anytime that you feel like, oh, I want that pill. I just want you to listen to this first. If you're done with this audio and you still want the pill, do what you need to do, but just listen to the audio first. 
it's been very interesting to watch that process because she's one of the people that's been saying to me, I fall asleep before the end. (laughs) Great. That's so awesome. And then she wakes up and she didn't take the pill because she fell asleep and all of that anxiety dissipated through the sleep process. So that's, it's just this short little brain training. And the thing about brain training is that when you start, when, you know, when you create a new neural pathway, your brain is designed to strengthen anything that will serve you and your well-being. The more you strengthen neural pathways that help you survive, quote unquote, the more happy your brain is to say, oh, you want me to do that? I'll do it faster next time. Oh, yeah. you want me to do that? I'll do it better the next time. That's awesome. Yeah. So the repetition, and I read is interesting. Do you know uh, Dr. Caroline Leaf? I do not. I want to say she's a neuropsychologist or neuroscientist in the psychology space. She has a great YouTube channel and I was, you know, I watch her videos and she referenced this study that said, you know, we've all heard it takes 30 days to create a new habit. Like we're all told that from the time we're like two, but the science around trauma disputes that because the science around trauma is that a traumatized brain needs 63 days of consecutive practice. That's what I learned from Dr. Leaf. 63 days of consecutive practice of any new habit for it to become automatic in a trauma brain. So I always recommend at least 30 days, but you know, 63 (laughs) is the magic number for those of us with trauma. Tell me the name of this doctor again, Carolyn Leaf. Dr. Caroline Leaf, L-E-A-F as in Frank. Okay. And she has a book that is on my list. I just haven't gotten to it yet at the moment. The title is escaping me. But um, I love the the neuroscience behind healing. Mm -hmm. That's just my thing. I, I feel you know, again, you know, what is this like my third pet peeve that we've discussed so far, but in my <laughs> process, yeah. in my I'm going to change the title. I'm going to change the title to Michelle Rosenthal's pet peeves. Yeah. Seriously. Healing PTSD. Exactly. You know what? That would be a fine title because I just, ah, there was, I could give you a list of like 20, but another one was in my healing process. I didn't believe in myself. So, I I mean, I felt so broken and I had lived almost three decades so broken that I really didn't have much hope that I could feel better. The only reason I got into therapy at all was because my life wasn't working and medically my body was shutting down, like horrible things were happening. And everyone kept telling me, all the doctors were like, there's nothing medically that we can figure out that's wrong. So I wound up in therapy because I had to figure out how am I going to live terrified that I'm going to die every day because this, because I can't figure out what's going on. So I felt so broken. And if somebody had just said to me, let's figure this out because you have neural pathways and neural networks that are not serving you, but your brain is also designed to generate new neural pathways and new neural networks. So let's focus there. (gasps) I would have been so hopeful. Yeah. You know, I would have been like, oh my gosh, there's a way to do this that I don't have to care about the past right now. I can focus on the present and the future. Awesome. Sign me up because then I could build some belief in myself. And if I had had somebody say to me, look, 63 days, listen to this audio. Let's see what happens. I would have said done. Oh, I can do that. Oh, yeah. 
I love the neuroscience because you don't have to believe in your emotional, mental, spiritual, or physical capability. You just have to believe in the brain's capability, which I guess is physical, not in the, not in the usual sense, right. but the brain's neurological capability of being trained. Oh yeah. And it, it's so empowering. Yes. Once you, once you learn this, and like you said, oh, 63 days, all of a sudden you can focus on something that is different than what you have been focusing on. And you can clear things and you can rewire yes. your brain. And it's proven over and over again. Yes. And let's be serious because there are also, for I'm, I'm imagining one of your listeners at least has read the studies that if you've been traumatized at a very early age, the brain changes, it doesn't develop in the right ways. And that's, you can't change that. Okay. So there is that science and we're not talking about being able to change the unchangeable because developmental hijacking has occurred. Right. What we are talking about is what can you do with your brain today with where it is today and how can you use that to your benefit today? One of my very first clients was a childhood sexual abuse survivor, the age of four. I mean, big developmental trauma there, right? She's very yeah. childlike, but she's also PTSD free now. So could I change the developmental differences in her brain? No. But did we figure out how to take her brain to be a 40-year-old adult managing in the world? She's now a wife. She's now a mom. She's got two beautiful kids. She's doing amazing. Yeah. So you don't always have to like focus on what cannot be fixed. Just focus on what can be achieved and follow that light and see where it gets you. Michelle, thank you so much for making time to have this conversation today. You are a bright light on this planet and you help so many. I'm incredibly grateful for the work that you do. Likewise, Shan, you bring such a grounded, peaceful energy to any space that you're in even Aww. over the airwaves. Thanks, love. That's such a gift. It's really, it's been such a pleasure just to be in that presence. And mm. I thank you for that. You're welcome. We won't wait 10 years for the next conversation. I hope not. <laughs> thank you so much. That was Michelle Rosenthal. If you want to train your brain for peace and calm, get Michelle's free brain training audio at mytraumacoach.com.